Today I'm sitting down with Alex Barutha from RotoWire going through our early uh, mock draft from a few weeks ago. Let's go balls deep. Welcome to another episode of the Balls Deep Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Fantasy Basketball International. FBIBasketball.com is the website at AdamKing91 on Twitter or on X, whichever you prefer, is where you can find me. Going through another early uh, mock draft review, I did one with Zach Hanshu about a week ago, Uh, got Alex Barutha on today. Uh, Alex, how's things? Things are going well. Uh, it's a bit of a dead time during the NBA calendar, but we have a ton of prep work to do at RotoWire, so it's uh, it's never never too dead. No, it, fantasy basketball is uh, the the season's just getting longer every year. I think it's it's almost mm-hmm. a just a twelve month thing now. Um, despite there being very little news at the moment, uh, there's plenty of mock drafts happening and and lots of player blurbs and player outlooks and rankings to do. So. Um, you are you're actually one of the few people, much like me, who have done their rankings or some early rankings for for next season. So we may refer back to them. I have got them pulled up here, ready to go, just in case I need to need them as a point of reference. Uh, I will bring up my slides and we will jump in. So I had Zach on last week, like I said, he was at pick six or seven, I think, from memory. Uh, you actually had pick pick one. Um, I'll bring up the first round. It's no surprise who you took. I had a, a chat with uh, with Dr. A on my show earlier in the week, and we had a question about where – I mean, it's early, but at the moment, where where is the preferred drafting spot in a draft? We both, we both liked around that pick sort of six to seven range. Where, um, you obviously had the complete opposite here with pick one. So despite it being early, what have you got a preference at the moment? So what's it like picking from, from the first pick? Um, I will say I – so I agree with you guys that I think around pick six or seven is ideal because in my opinion, like the draft really opens up after after the first pick. Like I think there are a ton of different guys you could pick at number two through six. And so for me, I'm almost happy taking whoever I get at six or seven because I think any of those guys could end up being the number two uh, fantasy player, right? So I'll take what I can get and then come around in the second round and get what I perceive to be better value. Now, personally, I don't mind picking at 1-1. I don't mind picking even at 12 on the turn. Um, I think I'm a more conservative drafter and picking on the turn makes it a little bit easier to not get your pick sniped from you. And yeah. sort of, it makes it a little easier to also price enforce, which I like doing. Um, so either at the turn or at like six is kind of where I prefer. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's pros to both, um, and and there is. Yeah, I also think there's a clear top six. Although I think your top six is a little bit different to mine, um, just based on purely on rankings. The difference being, you have Steph Curry in your top six. Uh, I have Tyrese Halliburton in my top six. So outside sure. of that, we we have the same. So you obviously went with Jokic here at number one. Um, I, I really can't make a case for him not going number one. It's <laughs> right. Uh, 
Uh, he's he's been number one for three years, I think, straight um, in pretty much every format. Something Steve and I also talked about. To me, he, I, I know he's really safe. I know he's really good. To me, he's a bit boring. Um, but, I mean, you have to take him. But uh, I don't know. I almost wouldn't want number one just because I, everyone knows who I'm taking. Uh, whereas at number two, there's a, a bit of mystery. Um, I don't know. Any thoughts, anything worth discussing on Jokic? We know exactly who he is. Um. I mean, to me, no, I, I honestly don't have a tongue on Jokic. I mean, I think they're bringing back essentially the same roster, although I think technically it's weaker without Bruce Brown. Mm. Um, I don't think that really results in like significantly more usage for Jokic or anything. This is not like a Michael Porter Jr. and Jamal Murray are both out situation, which of course Michael Porter Jr. is liable to get hurt and miss mm. uh, 60 games any given year. Um, but I just think, again... He's just, he's such a clear 1 1 to me. You're right. It's boring, but it, it just feels like something you have to do. It does. Uh, so we won't spend too much time there. We'll move into the second round because I think this is where some more discussion can take place. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you went with, oh, I'm wondering whether I should go through all the picks for anyone that missed the last one. Um, I'll quickly go through all the picks just if anyone did miss the one with Zach, um, just to, to put a bit of context on this. So Jokic obviously went at one. Followed by Shea, uh, Doncic, Embiid, Halliburton, Tatum, Durant, uh, Giannis, Lamelo, Curry, Lillard, and Trey Young went at twelve. Uh, then we had Anthony Davis at thirteen, Sabonis, JJJ, Harden, Towns, Edwards, um, Wembenyama, Booker, Mitchell, McCall Bridges, and Walker Kessler. And then you picked uh, on the turn here at twenty-four and took Desmond Bain. Uh, now I know you're, I have a feeling I'm trying to think where you had him in your rankings. I know you're relatively high on Bain, um, this season, especially obviously the first third of the season with Jamarant out Mm -hmm. pretty high. I I know Bain has been good. Um, but I think a few people might sort of say, is this a bit of a reach for him or or too high? So what's your thought process here with taking Bain? Um, I mean, to me, Bain, So per game, nine cat last year, he ranked 36th and that to me, he's, he's still young enough to where you could just assume he would outperform that if John Morant was healthy, if everything else was the same, I think you could say maybe he improves and he becomes, you know, the 30th best player or something like that. But to me, you have John Morant out for a third of the season and Marcus Smart is coming in, of course. But he's not really a scorer. And uh, Dylan Brooks even leaving. Mm. Of course, Brooks was not like a high usage player, but he took a lot of bad shots. And you want those shots in the hand and that playmaking responsibility in the hands of Desmond Bain, um, who was someone, I, I think, you know, another underrated part of what could make him better. He was playing only 32 minutes a game last year. So if you're assuming Bain gets more minutes closer to 34 or 35 while the Grizzlies make up for the absence of John Morant, he gets increased usage as well. The rest of the roster, to be honest, is incredibly bare. Like you start looking at the bench of this team, no, almost no other reliable playmakers on the squad. So to me, there's just a lot for Desmond Bain pointing up. And I, I don't think picking him 24th is, is really out of, um, is really a reach in my opinion. No, I think the, the Dylan Brooks 
uh, part of this equation is one that's overlooked a little bit. Everyone's like the Morant is, is obvious. Jar's not going to play. We know that. But yeah, as you said, uh, Dylan Brooks took a lot of bad shots, and and so they've got to go somewhere. So I think both Bain and Jaron Jackson. I think I think uh, Jaron Jackson's offensive output could go up a little bit this season as well. Um, yeah, look, I I don't mind Bain here uh, and picking where you're picking. He's obviously not going to be there when it comes back to you right. um, two rounds later. So, and if I, I mean remembering back to last season, so Bain's breakout was two years ago. Coming into last season, there was a bit of hype around him, but people were sort of like, mm, well, has he peaked already? Was, was this sort of a, an outlier season? Uh, and he actually he had an injury last season from memory and he missed quite a significant amount of time. I, it was it was weeks um, that he missed. And I actually don't think to start the season he was playing that well. I think he was sort of – he was good, but people were like, okay, well, has he plateaued a little bit? And then the fact, like you said, he finished 36 last year in what was a a pretty good season, but not a great season. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think there's certainly scope for him to to bump up inside the top 30 and, and even in the second round. Yeah. So you, the, um, oh, sorry. I just want one point yeah. I wanted to make. I, I looked up the numbers with him, with Morant and Brooks off the floor last season. Bain had a, a 29% usage rate. Averaged 28 points and six assists per 36 minutes. And of course, we know Jaron Jackson Jr. is injury prone too. Yeah. So I think there's just there's a scenario that I think Bain has a ridiculous season. Yeah, I think for me, the the reason he may fall slightly is with like I'm just looking at who sort of went around him. And if you look at guys like Van Fleet, uh Adebayo, uh DeJounte, Darius Garland, so guys that are going in the next round, I just mm-hmm. The reason he may fall a little bit is because he doesn't have that assists upside or sure. the or proven assists upside. But as you said, with with Jar out, uh, Marcus Smart's there; he'll get assists. But but Bain could very well average six, six and a half, even seven at a stretch at times um, assists per game. Um, so that'll be sort of an underrated part of what he'll be able to do early in the season. I think you followed that up with. Uh, almost a complete opposite pick, Jimmy Butler uh, at 25, who was, I mean, he was amazing during the playoffs. Um, He was a first-round guy last season per game. He was relatively healthy. I think people have that mindset of Jimmy Butler never plays. He's always injured. But if you look at at last season, I mean, he played 64 games. I think I'm right in saying that, 64 games. Um, Which, I mean, obviously that's 18 games missed, but in today's NBA, missing 12, 15 games is pretty common. Uh, I think average mm-hmm. games played is about 67. So he's not that far down there. So, yeah, I mean, obviously he's a year older, but any concerns with taking him here or, or you think he's in for another strong season? I, To be honest, I, I, I feel like I find myself drafting Jimmy Butler relatively often, even though I will always say expect him to miss 20 games. And I, I, dra- I feel like I draft him every year knowing that because he, like last year, per game, nine cap, he was 10th. Um, and I think consistent two-way players, guys who consistently are up above like one and a half steals per game um, with well-rounded stat lines. Like there's just really not that many guys like Jimmy Butler 
in the NBA who are giving you a completely well-rounded stat line with a ton of defense. Um, and of course, like he doesn't hit threes, but everybody in the NBA shoots threes. I could go find threes with my final mm-hmm. seven picks of the draft. Um, you know, so I'm again, yeah, he might miss 20 games, um, but that's why he's being drafted 25th and not 10th. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, I don't know whether we're reading too much into this, but he actually attempted and, and made more three-pointers in the playoffs than I think I've right. seen him do for, for years. Is that something you think was just purely out of desperation? It's the playoffs? Or, or is this something he may try and add to his game? I, I'm i not expecting him to. Let's put it that way. I mean, he, he usually ends up shooting more threes in the playoffs. Like, if you look at his regular season to playoff game logs, he shoots more threes. Um and to me, like, I just don't think his shot is that it just when he shoots from three, I don't feel that confident about it. It's a really flat shot. Mm. Um, but that's that's semantics. I, I really just don't expect him to be shooting like three threes a game next year, for example. And before we jump to third, the fourth round, do you think the we I mean, the whole trade, the whole Damian Lillard yeah. thing is, is sort of up in the air a bit. Um, the Miami offer is not great and, and they've He's basically been told you can't de- you can't demand to go to Miami, but <laughs> he very well could still end up in Miami. Do you think that impacts Butler's production, games played, anything this season? I don't I don't know about the games played. I think it it probably would impact his production. Um, not so much that I think he's suddenly like a fourth round guy, hmm. um, especially if it allows him to focus more on defense. I think he'll like. And if they do trade for Lillard, the rest of their team is going to be so barren that it's just going to be – he's going to have to continue to take on a ton of usage anyway. Um, so I'm I'm not overly concerned about that. All right. So into the fourth round, so we had um, Paul George, Jalen Brown, Porzingis, Mobley, Zion, Kawhi, Fox, Ingram, Turner, Brunson, Jamal Murray. You picked at 48. Uh, and went same direction as Jimmy Butler, really. He you went with sort of a proven guy who just continues to put up value. Uh, Drew Holiday at 48. Um, what was he last year? I'm sure he was probably around 40. Uh, 38 per game. 38, yeah. Okay, so, I mean, this, this feels fine to me. Uh, he's still going to need to play pretty big minutes for the Bucks. Much like Butler, uh, he does miss time, but he played 67 games, which is sort of bang on average. So any, again, much like Butler, any concerns here? Well, I will say that the guy I had in my queue that I really wanted was Miles Turner. Um, I think Miles Turner at 45 is a steal. Um, Like a guy who has proven to be a top 25 player. If the blocks stay, I don't think his role is going to change at all. Um, again, center a position of scarcity. I was hoping like, man, if I can get Jokic and Turner right out of the gate, I don't have to think about center almost the rest of the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I ended up uh, going with Holiday and it's it's the same kind of thought. Again, you mentioned it with Butler. They're very relatively similar fantasy players. Um, you know, two-way guards who you're, again, you're going to rely on them for one and a half steals a game, good efficiency. Maybe he'll miss 15 games or so. But again, it's why you're getting him at 48 and not 28. Um, it's a really boring pick, but he's just so consistent. Like there are there are very few guys who it's just like it's almost just a pure guarantee that he finishes above this in, in per game value. 
pretty much he's sort of in that that same category as Chris Middleton used to sort of be yep. in that category, DeMar DeRozan, um, mm-hmm. guys that you draft at 40, 50, and they're going to finish top 40 almost guaranteed. So, yeah, I think I think per game he certainly uh, he, he'll be a, a fourth-round player um, easily. Uh, so you followed that up a bit younger, uh, but again mm-hmm. – Big fo- I mean, your last three sort of guys have, have basically locked up your steals category. Um, OG, <laughs> yeah. Anan- OG Ananobi at 49. Um, I really like him here as well. I think with uh, Fred Van Fleet gone, both Ananobi and Scotty Barnes are going to have the ball in their hands a bit more. Uh, I think he's he's not going to get the assist that Scotty Barnes is going to get, but, but it's a, a little element, a little sort of wrinkle to his game that we haven't seen. So... Uh, yeah, look, I love Ananobi here. Um, I mean, what are you thinking for him this season with Van Fleet gone? I, I don't think he'll see like a massive boost. I think you're right in pointing out like I, some of this might be a plan to get Scotty Barnes a little more involved as a point guard. Schroeder's there. It's really kind of up in the air what Schroeder's role is going to be. I, I just, yeah. it's hard for, it's really hard for me to predict. Is he going to see 26 minutes a game? Is he going to see 34 minutes a game? Um, I don't predict like a major breakout or anything for Anganobi. I just feel like I was honestly like price enforcing here. I mean, Anganobi finished 27th in per game value last year. And to be honest, he should have finished higher, except he got injured and then had like a really poor stretch for a while Mm. where he was dragging down his numbers. Um, And so I just think this is someone who absolutely should not have fallen this far. Um, And again, this is kind of where I like, I like drafting at the turn because no one's going to kind of get stolen from me, but more of like a meta analysis. I think if you people get really excited and, and obviously want to draft a high upside guy or they, they, they have their guys, they have their target on and they, we could call it like people reach for guys we could say. Right. Yeah. But for every, every time a guy reaches for somebody, a player who we know can produce a certain amount of value continues to slip farther and farther down the board. And to me, if you're in a draft with a bunch of really aggressive drafters like we were, and of course this is a mock draft and we're analysts and we like to say, hey, I knew this was happening and I really... Guys keep getting pushed down the board. And to me, like Ananobi is just a complete no-brainer at 49. Uh, Yeah, I think so. I think he he will be for the next five years. He'll be like like that Middleton holiday pick where he, he every year he's taken at 40, 44... 41, but he'll be a top 30 guy, almost guaranteed. Um, I remember back to last season and just pulled up his numbers. His steal numbers early in the season were incredible. Um, he had eight of his first 12 games. He had more than at least three steals. Uh, so as you said, he did detailed off a little bit. His numbers fell away. So he would have been higher than this if he hadn't got injured, I think. Um so following Ananobi, Claxton, I love that Claxton pick, went I off the too. board. Uh, Shengun, Jalen Williams, Beal, Jar went at 54. That was Zach, I think, from memory, took him there. Uh, DeRozan, Scotty Barnes, Levine, Maxi, Kuzma, Middleton. Um, we'll jump into the next round, but just quickly, your thoughts. I mean, you like the Claxton pick much like I did. Shengun this season, concerns, uh, the fact that they were targeting Brooke Lopez turns me off a little bit. I'm just not sure that they view Shingun as that key piece for them. Have you got any concerns about him long-term in Houston? It's it's a little difficult for me to read into that. Like, it, was that a, 
like management just wanted a bunch of like defensive veterans around. That's kind of what they seem to be going with, with like Van Vliet and and Brooks and trying to get Lopez in there. And of course, Sangoon is not a good defender. I'm I am moderate. I, I don't know if I'm like super concerned about Shangoon, especially since they didn't get Lopez this year. Um, you know, they they were pretty they got Jock Landale in there. I don't know if he's really that much of a threat to Shangoon, but yeah, it's tough when you have a guy like Shangoon who is just not a great defender from the center position. You just have mm-hmm. to be worried about his minutes. Um, at the same time, he's just this is he has he has so much upside. He's so much upside, and I fifty one I think is completely appropriate for him. Yeah, I think around this range is good, and and he's to me he's one of those players that he's he's not a great defender, but I think if with better defenders around him, he'll improve. So obviously Houston as a team were terrible defensively last season. Um, and you see a lot of vision of some of his poor decision-making, but the decision-making of the the wing guys was no better. Uh, it, it was just simply that we were highlighting Shingun. But despite not being a great defensive player, he tends to fall into defensive stats. He tends to, to right. get you a steal and a block a game. Um, a little bit like a James Harden, not a great defensive player, but often he has averaged 1.3 steals, 1.4 steals. So... From a real life basketball standpoint, he's not a great defender, but from fantasy wise, he he'll get you enough in those defensive stats. He has active hands. He's not a great athlete, but he's pretty good at poking the ball away and getting in like okay, but like he's again active hands, but not like a great real life defender. Yeah. Uh so we had so yeah, into the into the next round. Uh Jordan Poole at, at 61. Jared Allen, Josh Giddy, uh, Brooke Lopez, Jabari Smith, Aiton Gobert, Bancaro, Derek White, Randall, Anthony Simons, and then you went with CJ McCollum uh, at 72. He's an interesting one, CJ. He wasn't great last season. He's, I mean, he's he's obviously getting – I think he's older than a lot of people think he is. Um, he's, in, he's in his 30s, I'm pretty sure, isn't he now? Where is he? He might be. Uh, 30, yeah, so he'll be 32 when the season starts. Um, older than, than I think people think. He was 87th last year with Zion injured, uh, with Brandon Ingram injured. So taking him here at, at 72, what sort of what's what's the process behind that selection? Some of it was I had like half of the guys in my queue that got picked before him. Like I was, I was like, oh, I had, you know, I had DeAndre Aiden in my queue. He got taken. Gobert was in my queue. Julius Randle and Simons were both in my queue. And then all of a sudden uh, the queue is very small and I end up with McCollum. <laughs> um, not that I, not that I like don't defend my own pick or anything. Um, but I do feel like this part of the draft, it, it starts to get a little dubious around this range. Yeah. And Again, McCollum, you know, I don't I don't love him, but he's been a pretty consistent source of like guard production. And um he was playing hurt a lot of last year. He had a thumb issue. His three point shooting was um really poor for a lot of the year. He ended up doing okay, like with 38%, but there were stretches where he was where he was awful. Um and yeah, it's again very it's a high floor pick, not a high ceiling pick. Um I just kind of ran out of time here, to be honest. Yeah, and and I'm just uh, just going back through that. You mentioned the thumb injury that he had. Um, I mean, if you look at his numbers from last year, almost 21 points a game, almost six assists, almost a steal. Uh, to me, it was really just that efficiency. He shot 
pretty much a career low um, from the field, yeah. 43.7. He, I mean, if you look back at his rookie season, sophomore season, but he, he didn't play a lot back then. Um, so, I mean, if he bumps that efficiency back up to sort of 45, 45.5%, which is where he's been the last four years prior, then he's probably a top 70 player, top 65 player. And getting a 20-point scorer at this point in the draft is is pretty um, valuable. So so getting points. Just a quick one on uh, Anthony Simons went before you there, and I don't know when he goes in this draft. We'll have a look. But Anthony Simons and Shaden Sharp, who would you prefer this season? Uh, Simons. I think okay. Simons um, should be – so, like, to me, Simons will presume – assuming Dame is gone, Simons yeah. would be – the number one scoring option. And then I think Scoot will be the number one playmaking option. And that, and that kind of, I think leaves sharp, not on the outside looking in, but you know, Jeremy Grant might, is probably still going to get more shots than Shagan sharp. And I think that just kind of turns sharp into like a, again, I mean, he's, he, I, he's not, I don't think he's going to have a bad year. He's a fantastic player, kind of a, um, you know, hyper athlete, great three point shooter. But I, I'm just not convinced he's going to be high enough on the um, the sort of totem pole to like uh, go over Simons. Yeah, and I think Simons has a little bit more assist upside as well. I think he can he can facilitate a little bit. Um, it's going to be interesting to see who they view because I don't think long term you can't. I don't think you can play all three of those guys together. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see who they prioritise as the starters in two years, three years. Um, so you sort of said that 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 previous round or that area of the draft was it's a little bit, oh, I've just got to take this guy. I need to solidify a couple of categories. I think now this round and the next round, we start to find some value again. Uh, you went with Miles Bridges at 73, followed by Cam Johnson, Trey Murphy, uh, Jeremy Grant, Jakob Pertl, Rosie, Wagner, Hero, John Collins, Austin Reeves, Keldon Johnson, Buddy Heald. Miles Bridges um, obviously didn't play last season at all. Uh, he's he's back in Charlotte for at least this season, um, signed mm-hmm. the qualifying offer. Do you think he starts? Um, I, I guess no one's really sure of where they position him long-term, whether they, they're going to try and keep him or are they just going to bury him. I don't think they bury him. I think he's too good. Um, and and we saw prior to last season, he had that breakout where he finished as a top 30 player, I think, yep. um, something like that. And so coming into last season, he would, this, there's no way you would have got him at this position. Um, so I actually, I think at this point, it's, he's a really nice pick. What are, you, uh, what are your thoughts? To me, this is about the spot for him. He's going to miss the first 10 games of the year. So keep that in mind when you draft him, I, that's yep. baked in as well. Um, we don't know what's going to happen with Kelly Oubre and PJ Washington yet. Neither of those guys have signed. If they're both gone, then to me, Bridges is like, he's going to start and he's going to play 30 plus minutes once he ramps up. Um, and you're right. I don't know if he's in their long-term plans, but if you're Charlotte, I think Charlotte's trying to win this year. I mean, they were like a 40 win team two years ago when he was good. And um, if, even if he's not in the long-term plans, I think you want to showcase him and then try to trade him to a team that will, uh, maybe has has goals to extend him. Of course, he'll be an unrestricted free agent next year. But um, again, someone we know is top thirty upside. So 
I, I think yep. he's going to start for them. Yeah, so his numbers from two years ago, uh, 20.1 points, seven rebounds, 3.8 assists, 0.9 steals, 0.8 blocks, 49%, and 80% uh, with two threes. So he he's one of those guys, he can fill it up across the board, um, chips in on the defensive end. I wouldn't say he's, a, he's an elite defender by any means, but he'll get you a steal a game, close to a block a game. Purely out of athleticism, he should be well rested, um, yeah. so should be healthy. Uh, into the next round, Scoot Henderson went off the board at eighty-five. Tyus Jones, Duran Vassell, Okongwu, Jaden McDaniel's, Keegan Murray, Jalen Green, Mark Williams, Trey Jones, Shaden Sharp went at ninety-five, and then you took D'Angelo Russell at ninety-six. Before we get into the D'Angelo Russell pick, Onyeka Okongwu, one of these guys that. A lot of us analysts are talking about. A lot of people are talking about him. Uh, what I don't, I don't think he starts over Capella. Um, I think we need Capella to be traded for a Kongu to fully break out. But is a Kongu someone you're happy drafting, sort of in this range, given what we saw last season in 20, 22 minutes a game? Yeah, yeah, I think this is the range for him. Um... He basically proved last year he could be worth like seventh, eighth round value um, in 23 minutes a game. Capella, again, I don't think this is the year necessarily. They they move on. The problem is both of these guys are clearly centers, even though uh, Okongwu is a little undersized. Like I don't know if I would, I don't know if I would necessarily want Okongwu as like my number two center in fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think ideally number three, but of course, like that depends on you taking two centers early. But it, I think it's a fine spot for him. So D'Angelo Russell at, at 96, uh, coming into this season, obviously Gabe Vincent is there. I, I've heard, like, I mean, we all hear things, but heard that potentially uh, Gabe Vincent could start with Russell coming off the bench, which I think I said this to Dr. Eight. I don't mind D'Angelo coming off the bench um, because if he starts, he's got to share the ball with Austin Reeves, LeBron James, Anthony Davis. If he's coming off the bench, he basically has free reign to just, facilitate score um so what what do you sort of picture for him this season uh yeah i think there's a a pretty wide range of possibilities although i think he's proven to be a very good fantasy player even if he's getting 28 minutes a game and um you know there's just not too many guys at this point in the draft who have upside for like six seven assists a game and you know like we saw this last year uh, partially when Westbrook was, was in LA, but LeBron is LeBron breaks down now. Um, mm. and Anthony Davis is never particularly healthy. And so their two highest usage guys are, you know, you kind of only want to predict either of those guys for 60 games. And it's going to be plenty of times where all of a sudden it's like, neither of those guys are on the floor for a, you know, a given stretch of games and D'Lo steps in plays 35 minutes. All of a sudden he's been 20 points, eight assists for a couple of weeks. I just think the upside is, is, um, like the upside when those guys get hurt relatively high. Um, I just I just think this is a good like floor for him, 96. Yeah, I think it's fine. He, he's he's basically always a top 100 guy. So, right. yeah, he, he sort of falls into that position just based on the assists and, and some points and threes. Uh, you went with Mitch Robinson with your next pick at 97, uh, followed by Chris Paul, Robert Williams, Wiggins, Wendell Carter, Dinwiddie, Michael Porter Jr., Smart, Tobias Harris, Bruce Brown, Gafford, 
and Draymond Green. So looking here, like Mitch Robinson, I think he's one of these guys who's who's fine. I don't mind him here. But looking back, and, and this is a guy that's building some hype, would you have taken Gafford here over Mitchell Robinson or, or you're happy with the Robinson pick? So I I'm a, I like Gafford a lot. Like I am a I'm a Gafford optimist. I have been for a long time. <laughs> Since he was on the Bulls, I'm like, someone give this guy 30 minutes a game. Yeah. Um, and I will say the reason I, I was going to pick a center here no matter what. I didn't have a backup center at this point in the draft. If you don't have a backup center by around pick 100, you are in trouble and you need to just pick one. Yeah. Um, and I went with Mitchell Robinson because, I, again, I think Gafford has plenty of upside, but Robinson, if Robinson got the same amount of minutes, Robinson would be a better fantasy player, I believe. He's already proven to be able to be like up there, high blocks, everything like that. Um, I don't think he's ever going to get to that like mythical 33, 34 minutes a game we all want out of Mitchell Robinson. But I'm not sure Gafford's going to get to that 33, 34 minutes a game we want from him either. So it's sort of like, in hindsight, I would have been interested also in Wendell Carter. Robert Williams, I think, is another guy who also went in this round that I think has plenty of upside. Um, that I, that was another guy I was considering, but I just went with Robinson because Robert Williams injury risk is, um, like through the roof at this point. It's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah it is. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, William, uh, Williams is one of those guys. I think this season could, he could be a real league winner if he stays healthy because you are going to get him at pick 80, pick 90, pick a hundred. And yeah. if he per game, I think even last year he was 70th, I think from memory, something like that. 73rd. Um, if he plays 65 games and, and he's a top 60, top 50 player, he could he could swing a lot of leagues. Uh, all right. So into the next round, Jonas Valanciunas went at 109. Clarkson, Fultz, Trent, Clay Thompson, Capella, Brandon Miller, Kevin Porter Jr., Zach Collins, Herb Jones, Asar Thompson and Colin Sexton. Just quickly before we talk about uh, your pick of Sexton there, Fultz is someone I'm really high on this year, and and I just like to get other analysts' opinions um, because obviously the the fact that they drafted Anthony Black raises a few concerns. With do they view Fultz as their point guard of the future? They've got Jalen Suggs there. They've got Cole Anthony. They've got Gary Harris. What do you think for what sort of what are you envisaging for Fultz this season? Um, I, well, I will say before that, I think this entire round is like amazing value for almost everybody that got picked. Mm. Uh, I think this was an awesome round. Uh, I'm completely with you on Fultz. Fultz was fantastic last year. I drafted Fultz, um, in our 16 team auction league last year, even though I knew he was going to miss time out of the gate. Um, I am not that concerned about Anthony Black, uh, taking minutes away from Fultz. I would be more concerned. Like, I just think. I know he can't shoot threes. It's going to create issues. But to me, it's like, isn't Gary Harris the guy who maybe is kind of out of luck here or Jalen mm. Suggs? Like, to me, this is more of like a Gary Harris or Jalen Suggs issue and not a Markel Fultz issue. I think Markel Fultz is perfectly draftable, even in the eighth, seventh or eighth round, um, because that's essentially where he finished last year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I just think he was he was really strong last season. He's efficient. As you said, doesn't hit threes, but... He hits his free throws. He, he's not – we don't have to worry about that. Um, he gets to the basket. He's a good defender, gets assists. You took Colin Sexton at 120. Um, 
the Jazz, I would I would say, are going to be pushing for the playoffs this season, I, th- I think, uh, at least initially. Uh, Colin Sexton missed a lot of last year. He was he was all right when he played. Um, we looked uh, in the summer league, Keontae George was really impressive, and, and there's talk of, hey, maybe do they start Keontae George over Colin Sexton? Um, so how, how do you see sort of Sexton's season going this year? Yeah, I will say, again, so many of these guys were in my queue. I loved all of these picks, um, but I ended up going with Sexton partially because I would like to think that, I mean, they signed him to a, you know, basically like a four-year, $70 million extension. Conley's gone. Um, I think this is the time where they really give Sexton a shot, try to let him start at point guard and see what happens. You mentioned it. I think you were being pretty kind. He was pretty bad last year. I mean, his shooting percentages, his shooting percentages were fine, but like he was out there just it just wasn't a good fit for him. Like he seemed to not gel with the team very well. Um, but again, like he's another guy where we've seen him be able to be like a seventh or eighth round upside guy when he gets the minutes. And at pick 120, I mean, someone who has a legitimate chance of being a starting point guard and has kind of been there, done that, still very young. He's 24 years old. It's, a, I mean, it gets a flyer at this point. Um, I, I, I'm sure I could have went somewhere else, you know, with the pick and been happy, but it's just kind of where I landed. And I think if we look at last season, I've just pulled up his game log here. He started coming into the season. We were sort of of, of the assumption, okay, he's going to start. He's going to, much like Larry Markinen, he's going to just be given rain to, to go offensively and score the ball. They're not going to be playing to win, but they played really well to start the season. And Sexton was actually coming off the bench, um, yep. playing 20 minutes a game. He, his minutes sort of bumped up a few times with injuries and things like that, but he never really got into a rhythm. Then he got an injury. He got a few injuries. So yeah. he just was never able to really gel. He wasn't spending time on the floor. So I think for him, if he's healthy, um, he's certainly got to be, better than what he was last season. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't mind this pick here. You went with Boyan Bogdanovich as your next pick, uh, followed by Amen Thompson, Westbrook, Herder, Quickly, Wood, Roddy, Ivy, Sohan, Nurkic, Avdia, and Patrick Williams. Um, Boyan Bogdanovich, uh, Bogdanovich in Detroit still uh, good last season. Um probably surprised a few people with what he was able to do. Detroit have obviously that they're going to have Cade back this season. Um should be healthy. Do you see him sticking in Detroit for the season and and what's his role going to look like now that they've got some additional personnel around him? Yeah, it's not it's not a super I, I don't think his role is like easy to predict, but he I think the Pistons want to win. I think you know they kind of got you know, the injury to Cade last year messed them up. I think they're a team trying to compete, even if I, I don't think they will be that competitive. Um, I I expect him to start. Um, but, you know, with Cade there, I'm, I'm not sure he's going to score 22 points a game like he did last year. But again, someone who, when he gets 30 minutes, he's been fantasy relevant. I think there were certainly higher upside picks to be made. Like, it's just... Um, it, it just was a high floor pick, to be honest. I mean, he's he's been really efficient throughout a lot of his career and someone who um, has had like a really, again, a high scoring floor. Yeah. And I mean, if you go back through his career numbers, I mean, he, his ranking goes up and down a little bit. But yeah, even even when he was um, 
He was in Utah. He was at Indiana. He had seasons where he was only scoring 15 points, 17 points, uh, 18 points, and he was inside the top 100. So he doesn't need to score 21, 22 points a game. He could he could come down to to 18 and 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 still sort of flirt with top 100, top 120 value. So I think this is fine here. Uh, and then the final round, we only went 12 rounds deep because it was just a mock. Um, Mike Conley went at 133, followed by Adams, Sadiq Bay, Kobe White, Keontae George, Melton, Javon Carter, Tari Eason, Matarin, Kaminga, Horford, and you went with Brogdon at 144. Now, is Brogdon, you've you've sent me something about Brogdon. Yeah. Were you Yes, you did, yes. Yeah. So you're pretty high on Brogdon this season, I I know that. Um, explain. Yeah, I think you. I think it was for a sleeper, uh, sleeper article. Um, yeah, Brogdon. They got rid of Marcus Smart and they replaced him with nobody. Um, so, you know, I'm not 100 percent sure Peyton Pritchard is really ready for more minutes. Either way, they don't really have a backup shooting guard either. Like they have like no real backup guards. Um, and I think Brogdon last year already proved that. Of course, he's an injury risk, right? But Brogdon has proved in the past, like, if you give this guy 30 minutes a game, Mm. um, he was already playing 26 minutes a game last year, returned, like, basically 10th round value, was healthier than he's basically ever been before. Um, But as someone where, again, I I don't see how he doesn't see more minutes and more usage this year with Smart gone. So, to me, picking him with the final pick in a draft with someone who we've seen before, um, return what like sixth, seventh round value when you give him those kind of minutes. I don't know if he, he's not going to get like that level of usage. I just think, I just think people are almost like overvaluing Derek White and undervaluing mm-hmm. Malcolm Brogdon. And some of that's the again injury risk to Malcolm Brogdon, but I just don't think he's, I think he has to be drafted in my opinion. I think his upside's too high. Yeah, I think so. I mean, as you said, smart, smart went and they didn't bring anyone back to cover that position. So, it's him and, and Derek White. And, and look, I mean, Derek White is no he's no stranger to injury. Uh, last season, he was pretty healthy. But prior to that, he'd had some injuries of his own. Uh, I think the fact that Brogdon, the injury is very fresh. So it was it happened in the playoffs. It, it right. was he was he tried to play through it, but was clearly bothered by it. But the fact that it wasn't a – so a lot of his injuries previously when he was in Indiana were soft tissue, hamstring, groin right. injuries. Yep. This wasn't one of those. So this is was a, it was an elbow, I think. So he – while it's an injury, this is more of an outlier injury than, than a recurring thing that he's been dealing with. So, yeah, look, I think assuming he's fully healthy coming into the season – I don't see any way he plays fewer than 26 minutes a game. So, yeah, I, I really like him at the end here. Um, so before I, I let you go, I just want to talk about uh, Javon Carter, someone that I'm sort of high on this season. I, I think if, if he can start in Chicago, um, he flashed sort of in Milwaukee last season. He had some really nice games um, due to injury to other guys. Is he someone sort of that you're you're okay taking here as as a last round flyer? I I have no idea what's happening with the Bulls like guard position. So like that that's what makes me nervous is you have Caruso there, who I think deserves, you know, 26 minutes a game, probably. Um, you have Dasunmu there, who 
wasn't as good as I think a lot of us hoped last year, but it still like should be in the rotation. Probably you also, they re-signed Kobe white. Um, he's a little bit more of a shooting guard. And then you add in Javon Carter to that mix. I'm just not confident that Carter's going to play much more than like the 22, like mid 20 minutes per game that we saw out of him, uh, in Milwaukee last year. Um, and of course, like he was, he was great defensively. Um, he showed some passing ability, but I'm not, I, I would just rather have, there are plenty of other guys that went around this range that I think have higher upside um, that I would personally, I would just rather have over, over Carter, especially with like the uncertainty, in my opinion, what, what I perceive to be uncertainty at the Chicago, like point guard spot. Yeah. 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 Look, it's uh, last round I'd take him because I mean, chances are you're going to drop your last round guy anyway. You, oh, for sure. It, hap- yeah. it happens a lot. So I guess if you're desperate for assists and, um, and some uh, steals, but yeah, I mean, looking through this round here, I would, I would rather Mike Conley. I'd rather Malcolm Brogdon. I'd rather probably take a flyer on Keontae George, uh, DeAnthony Melton. So there's a few names I'd prefer, but but I still don't mind Carter um, right at the end and and see. I mean, maybe they start him and he plays thirty minutes. Who knows? Right. Uh, we 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 don't know. Uh, so that's that's all the picks. Um, any final thoughts on sort of any trends, anything that you're sort of seeing? I know we're still very early in terms of draft season, but anything you're seeing so far? I know you've been doing some mock drafts over at RotoWire. Um, yeah, anything to report back? Yeah, I think. Um, well, I, I'll I'd say a more broad point is you know take a quick look sort of you don't necessarily have to study it but understand where guys ranked last year um again i'm someone who is a pretty conservative drafter and i like value to kind of fall to me but as i mentioned there were plenty of spots in this draft round 10 you know in the hundreds like clay thompson went like in the hundreds and Mm. you know there there are plenty of guys back there that have value they may not be like the sexy like asar thompson or like you know picking like anthony edwards 11th or something like that um but there are plenty of guys all over the place where if you understand sort of what, uh, where they ranked previously, what makes good fantasy value, especially if you're in a roto league, you know, you're not trying to win specific categories. You're just trying to mostly build a yeah. balanced team. There's plenty of value across the board late in these drafts. I think for just, I'm um, just sort of flicking through names here and some of the guys we talked about and, and that you mentioned, I th- I think, I don't know, a, a broad strategy, if, if you're not sure or you knew, have a look at those guys that are being hyped. Like if you have a look at um, uh, a Kongwu who's getting a little bit of hype, Derek White's getting a little bit of hype. Have a look at who who's competing for that position with them. So Capella is falling because a Kongwu is getting right. hyped. Let's grab a Kongwu. White is getting hyped. Let's grab Brogdon. Uh, Trey Murphy, he's getting a little bit of hype as well. Herb Jones, he's available right toward, towards the back end of drafts as well. Um uh, when Benyama's getting a lot of hype, Zach Collins right. could could have a really good season. So I don't know, a bit of a pattern there. Um, could be nothing to it, but just something that I've noticed. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm with you. I mean, there's there's no reason, in my opinion, that Capella should have fell to 114. Like he, I think he finished like 54th last year per game. So yeah. like if you're getting a guy that's basically like slicing in half or double it, however you want to put it, like. You get a guy like twice as many rounds later, 
uh, as he, he should be going. It's, it's pretty yeah. ridiculous. So knowing some of that stuff is important. Yeah. Um, so look, we'll, we'll end it there. Um, well, cause I have to go to work, but, uh, <laughs> you, as I said, you, you have been there, there's stuff happening over at Rotowire. Do you want to just tell people quickly what, is, what is happening over there and where they can find, um, reports, player blurbs, r- rankings? Yep. Uh, we have plenty of rankings on the site. There's like a whole tab at the top of the Rotowire page where you can find again, custom rankings, uh, where guys ranked last season, the whole thing. I will be having a dynasty mock draft taking place. Uh, next Wednesday, the 9th. Uh, and so we'll post the results there. It's it's a relatively shallow one. We're going 160 picks deep. Um, but I think that will be good. That's our first Dynasty mock draft of the season at Rotowire. So that'll be good info. And yeah, um, articles, like more articles will start kind of ramping up uh, mid-August, early August. So basically now. Um, and that'll, yeah, that'll all be on Rotowire. All right. Good stuff. Thank you for joining me today. Um... Always nice to catch up. Uh, that will do it uh, for the show today. Remember, you can check out all of our content at fbibasketball.com. Uh, follow us, uh, follow this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, jump over to YouTube, give us a thumbs up and subscribe. We would really love that. And until next time, catch up. You just listened to another episode from the Fantasy Basketball International Podcast Network. Thanks for joining us. And for more information about joining our community, please check out our website at fbibasketball.com.